I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Okay, folks. Woo. Man, look, we are moving along with this podcast, and it always excites me to have so many amazing people to just come out of sometimes nowhere, like Derek did. Let me tell you what happened with Derek. Okay, <laughs> Derek Phillips, who's with us today. I was on LinkedIn, thanks to our mutual friend, Larry, and he made a post, and I was reading his post thinking, I wonder if he's first gen. So, you know, slid in the DMs, not the holler. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Derek, you know how people send you a message? Hey, Derek, I see that you've done lots about your book and blah, 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 blah. We'd love for us to connect. So he connected, and I realized after he had said anything back that he probably thought I was one of them people, like somebody trying to sell us <laughs> up. So I was like, Derek, I'm really serious. Like, I really want to meet right. you. And so, Derek, LinkedIn, you telling your story, and it was because you had launched your second book, which I believe. And that's what led me to that. And Larry had said something, Larry Hawkins. Shout out to Hawk. And so, just very excited to be here. Derek, welcome to the show. Finally. finally. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm excited. <laughs> You're doing big things. So, I'm happy to be a part of it. Oh, man. I'm so, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm so grateful for you. I really, really am. am. And look, it took us, y'all, look, when you two people like us out here motivating and congratulating and all that stuff, your schedules could be tight. And so I'm, I'm proud of you, friend, because you've had a lot of great things happening in your life recently. So shout out to you for the victories that, that are good. Thank you. I'm, I'm blessed. As you should be. So look, you know, I'd like to just dive right on in. If you will, let's tell the good people about you, who you are and what you do and where you're from and, and all that fun. Will do. Happy to do so. So I'm Derrick Phillips. I got a kind of a weird pronunciation for my name. My mom was getting creative. So instead of Derrick, she emphasized the rich. <laughs> so Ooh, I've been calling you Derrick. You ain't said nothing. <laughs> I, I went by Derrick for the first 34 years of my life. I didn't want to correct people. I just finally started bracing the uniqueness of my name. <laughs> Derridge. Okay, what well, let's sorry y'all. Derridge Phillips. Okay. Hey, definitely. Some Derridge Phillips from Gary, Indiana. A lot of times people hear Gary, Indiana, they automatically think of Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> it's a lot more to Gary beyond that. It's not all glitz and glamour, not at all. Gary's about 26 miles outside of Chicago. It's a rough place growing up in Gary. In the 90s, they had the highest murder rate in the, in the United States. So it was, mm. it was like growing up in a war zone, but I'm very thankful for that experience. Growing up poor, it just prepared me for so much. It made me so resilient, so mentally strong, and that set me up to thrive now. Today, I'm a author, I'm a father, a husband, entrepreneur, just all of those accolades is, all goes back to my roots, Gary, Indiana. Mm. What makes Gary, Indiana such a special place for you, though? Just because that's all I knew from birth until I left at age 18 to join the Army. 
So that was home. I thought everyone lived like that. I thought everyone was mm. poor. I thought everyone dealt with being surrounded by gangs and drugs. So it was it was normal to me. But once I left, went to the army, and then came back, that's when I realized, like, wow, no, everyone doesn't live like this, and this this really is a <laughs> unique place. Mm. So now I'm living in Dallas, Texas. Definitely love Dallas. It's a big city, a lot of opportunity. But yeah, Gary still always to be home for me. I always hold that special place in my heart. Mm, I love that. And it's interesting that you said that that's all you knew. And then you left and you came back because your first gen experience isn't that you went to college right away. Correct. So I joined joined the Army right out of high school, two weeks after high school graduation. I'm in basic training at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And I knew that I wanted to go to college. And that was one of the reasons I joined military because they I knew they would pay for it. So that was kind of one of the pitches that the recruiter gave to me. And I knew that I was going to take advantage of it. So once I got to my first duty station, which was Germany, I immediately signed up for classes and actually had uh, universities on the military base. So if it was going to be free and their own base, I can walk to class. I had no excuse not mm. to do it. So within three and a half years, I finished my bachelor's degree while serving in the Army. That's pretty nice. So you had school paid for? Yep, 100%. Mm. Uncle Sam. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam. I am. We appreciate that. And that's really cool because, you know, a lot of first gens don't necessarily have the opportunity to go to school and have it paid for. Yes. And right. again, your route is so unique such that not only was school paid for, but it was by military, which is an option. Because I know sometimes people are discouraged from going to military, but it ended up being a benefit for you. Big time. That's probably, looking back on it, it was certainly the best decision I could have ever made. Now, in high school, I was a good athlete. I was really good in track. So I had opportunities as far as scholarship offers to run track in college. But as I mentioned, growing up poor, I really wanted to be independent. Like as soon as I graduated high school and I knew the military was going to provide that for me versus me just going straight to college. I felt like, okay, now I'm just going to be a poor college student <laughs> struggling. So I, 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 was, I was done with being poor and, and hungry. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I wanted to really take control of my destiny and the military just opened up so many doors in mm-hmm. terms of paying for my college, in terms of uh, training me. They trained me in cybersecurity and just Really, I look at the military as the biggest fraternity in the world, biggest sorority in the world, because no matter where you go, you're always going to meet someone, veterans, and, or someone who just has some type of connection to the military and respect for those who served. And I just can't count just how many doors it opened up for me. So that four-year investment was nothing compared to what I'm still receiving to this day and will for the rest of my life. Mm, I can absolutely dig that. Interesting, though, what did you end up studying in school? So my undergrad was criminal justice. But my goal was I wanted to get out of the army and join the FBI. And then my long-term goal was to become a, a lawyer. And I was on that route. Once I got out of the army, I actually started applying for police departments. So I actually got hired on with, well, I got accepted to Scottsdale, Arizona, their police department. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I had an opportunity to go to Iraq as a defense contractor. So it was it really came down to money. So when I got out of the army, I was making, you don't make a lot of money in the military because they're paying for everything. So I was making $18,000 a year. <laughs> and within six months of getting out, I was making six figures. Wow. But I had to go to war zone Iraq. <laughs> wow. was, I was making six figures at 23, thanks to the, the opportunities that the military provided me. And after doing that for four years, I actually ended up still sticking to my goal. I actually went to law school, but I, I only lasted a semester. <laughs> after that first semester, I realized that it wasn't for me. And the reason I made the decision to 
just walk away from it so soon is because that prior summer, before I started law school, I had met with a lawyer who was kind of mentoring me. And I remember him mentioning that he had a lot of classmates who would graduate law school. They hated the whole experience and then they never even used a degree. They never practiced law, but it was just something they just did. They felt like they had to stick to it since it was already so vested. And for me, after the first semester, I was like, no, I'm not that vested. This is not for me. It's not what I thought it was going to be. And I'll, I'll pursue something else. That's what happened. So I ended up getting my MBA after that. Mm, the MBA. I think you actually have two master's degrees, don't you? Well, I have an MBA and I have a graduate certificate in cybersecurity. That's really dope, though, especially with you being right. a man. I said a man of color, a black man, <laughs> military. So you're vet, yeah. um, business owner, speaker, writer. And then you got cybersecurity. So even to be in STEM, <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want to ask you, and I, like I said, well, the first time we talked about what don't you do? <laughs> because you, you do a little bit of everything. And and that's really cool that you're so versatile because of the challenges that you've experienced in your life. Right. Which I know that you talk about, you know, navigating those those challenges. I mean, one coming from a place that was full of gangs. And I know that you mentioned drugs and alcohol right. and abuse and the violence yes. and all. And then I even think that I recall you saying somewhere that you had ADHD growing up as well. So nothing <laughs> about your childhood, especially as a black man coming from Gary, Indiana, which was a, a, the crime capital was saying that you were going to be who you are today. 23 making six figures. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Actually, what was I doing at 23? I don't know. <laughs> Only in America, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, that is. And that's that's definitely inspiring, which again, you say only in America. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, your book now. Okay. The, you know, the poverty <laughs> powerball, the turning adversity into your winning ticket, which I thought that's really what caught me because I was like, what is this? But you were promoting it again, just learning about it. So tell us about that. You know, what is it that you want people to get from your book? What inspired you to write your book? I know you do have an expert or video on your website, but tell us here so we can go look. Oh, yeah, certainly. So I, I got the idea years prior because I would meet people and I would tell them where I was from and what I had to overcome. And their first reaction would be like, so how'd you make it out? And as more people started asking me, that, I realized, like, hey, I must, I must have something. Uh, I guess what did <laughs> allow me to make it out of those circumstances? Mm. And, and I ultimately realized that even though people were viewing it like, hey, you grew up in those tough circumstances that you were disadvantaged, I actually came to realize that that was actually my competitive advantage. Having to grow through so much adversity, it built up just that resilience, which you, you can't buy resilience. And once you are able to perform much stress, once you know what you're capable of, what you can endure, that mm. just sets you up for so much. It's, it's nothing you can't do. So you really just have that you can accomplish anything mentality. And in terms of, like I said, I had the idea for the book in my head. And it was one day I was just listening to, actually, it was a Jay-Z song. And he, he, he said, since I made it here, I can make it anywhere. And it, it's kind of like a light bulb went off in my head. Like, that's it. That's the kind of the concept I need to spin in my book, where kids growing up in these tough places, these inner cities, these hoods, where they realize, like, hey, this is preparing me for so much more. And that's essentially what Jay-Z came to that realization, where that by age 12, his father had left. And he, he had to turn to hey, selling drugs and try to help feed his family help his mom out mm. but he realized by the time he was 19 that he had learned so much in terms of street sense in terms of being resilient resourceful all these different things he realized that those skills are transferable to legal careers and he decided to focus his in on rap but just kids growing up in those environments they can just realize that there's so much value in those skills and they can transfer that to do whatever they want to do because it's people growing up in middle class upper class who wish they had their resilience who wish 
that they were so mentally tough. And growing up in the hood, you're getting that. So that's for me. So looking back on just to answer that whole question is poverty was my powerball. That was my competitive advantage. And with the book, I want people to know, even if they're not growing up in poverty, that whatever adversity you've gone through that you overcame, mm-hmm. you're stronger because of that. So that's your powerball. That's your competitive advantage. So whether it's you overcame a disease, cancer, divorce, whatever it is, you look at that strength and that's what it all came from. And when you think about the lottery and kind of tie that, that concept in is because most poor people play the lottery. Well, a lot of poor people play the lottery. It's the majority of people who buy lottery mm. tickets. And I realize this, they're looking for an escape. They're looking for a way out. They're looking at external sources for forms of wealth. But in reality, that, that wealth exists in them. That wealth exists. They have that value inside through their mm-hmm. experiences, but they just don't realize that they can transfer that into something that's of value. Mm. So what do you say to the young men, black, white, blue, purple? What do you say to them who look at you and say, you just got lucky, you special? What do you say to them? Because I'm sure that's come up, uh, or at least I imagine, because you, you have some people who come from the same place you come from, and they just think that you're lucky, but you came from the same circumstance. What do you tell them? Definitely. Uh, yeah, I certainly get that. And a part of it, you can look at it as luck or being blessed, depending on what your faith is. I, I'm certainly blessed. I, I don't deny that. But I can't remember what quoted this, but it essentially says, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And that's really what it boils down to. And of course, yeah, we do get lucky breaks in life. We do get blessings where people, they just open up doors mm. for us. And for me, it was uh, my uncle Tommy. When I was 11 years old, he became my legal guardian. And that was at a time where I was definitely heading down the wrong path. I was already involved in gangs, smoking weed, stealing, just doing all of the, the negative things that fit that stereotype of black boys growing up in that environment. But he was, he provided that father figure he filled that role for me and he taught me discipline and work ethic and all of those things. So in that context, yeah, that was without him, it wouldn't have, I would have been a victim of the statistic. I would have been dead or in prison, most definitely. But to answer your question, as far as how other boys can make it out or girls, whoever's growing up in that environment is really just realizing that there's always an Uncle Tommy. There's always someone around you that can fill that void that you're missing and give you that guidance. And in addition to my uncle, it was it was coaches, it was teachers, it was family friends. So just I would advise them to seek just positivity around them because I'm a big believer in what you focus on expands. So if you're focusing on negativity, if you're hanging around toxic people, then that's that's all you're gonna notice, all you're gonna see. But even in the worst environments, there's people that care. There's people that want to help you. And if you're helping yourself, then it's going to be people that's going to see that and they're going to go out their way to help you. Mm. So it ties back into the harder you work, the luckier you get. Mm, That's real. So make no excuses for yourself. Absolutely. And that's a big thing I certainly talk a lot about in the book where I definitely want people to read the book. If you have that victim mentality or that that poverty mindset, it's the whole goal of my book to help people break that poverty mindset and just that victim mentality poor me that's that's counterproductive no one's going to feel sorry for you is in the real world <laughs> everyone has everyone has problems everyone has some type of adversity they went through but really shifting how you view it shifting your your mindset and your perspective on not looking at your hardships as your disadvantage mm-hmm. or your loss and look at it okay what did i learn from that how am i stronger as a result of that and how can i thrive as a result of being stronger one of my favorite quotes from Oprah, where she said, where there is no struggle, there is no strength. And that's so powerful. If you think about 
what Oprah had to go through growing up. She had overcome so many hardships, but by her surviving those hardships, making it through, it mm-hmm. set her up to thrive in the real world. So it's definitely, it's, it's, it's strength and struggle. Embrace it. I know it's easier said than done. I know it's hard when you're going through it, but Uncle Tommy always told me, you don't lose, you learn. And just try to learn from those experiences. And that's where your strength is. That's where your value is. Man, you better come through with the quotables today. I love quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But even with, you know, your strength is, you know, is in your struggle. And you don't lose, you don't learn. What? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I'm going to write that down myself. I'm going to write that somewhere. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. I mean, so speaking of which, I mean, who have been the biggest influences in your life? So in addition to my Uncle Tommy, my my mother, my grandmother. Uh, so I got to give a shout out to my, my older sister. She's four years older than me, unique. She was kind of like my biggest protector mm-hmm. growing up. Like the big sister. She didn't play it when it came to her little brother. So she's always protecting me. And even to this day, she still thinks she needs to protect me. But I definitely have to give credit to all those people during my childhood and my track coach, Coach Jones. And then also as I became an adult, it was just other mentors who pretty much took that baton and continued to pour love in me and invest in me and just show me that what I could be. Mm-hmm. I just, the list goes on and on. I'm big on mentorship, having mentors, and also paying it forward and mentoring other people. And like I said, as long as you're working hard, as long as you're doing the right thing, you're really trying to help yourself. It's, there's no shortage of people who are willing to help you. Mm, that's real. So you talked about mentorship. You've talked about what it's meant for you to be an author. You know, so much that I even want to talk about something I didn't mention. You have a podcast as well. Again, what don't you do? <laughs> like your time, I'm pretty sure is just gone. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so talk to us too about your podcast and your inspiration with that because I know it couples very well with your book. Absolutely. So the podcast I started a year ago and it's called Mentor Select, Follow Your Passions. And the whole goal of the podcast is I wanted to, I realized that there are kids growing up in tough places who don't have quality mentors, who don't have someone who can expose them to just positivity, just in their immediate grasp. So I realized that virtual mentorship can be just as powerful. And that's really just so important for those kids to realize that even if they feel they don't have anyone in their immediate surrounding, you can be mentored virtually. Hop on YouTube, Mm -hmm. hop on on this this podcast, First Gen. It's it's just people are pouring out just their their life story and just giving so many gems that you can Mm -hmm. benefit from. That was my whole goal with with my podcast. I wanted to expose kids to just a wide variety of careers, people who aren't working in careers where they really love them. They're passionate about it and they feel they're making a difference. Those are the type of people I interview. So like yourself, Dr. E, can't wait to get you on the podcast. It's just when you when you hear someone who's passionate about what they do, it don't matter if they're in front of you or you listen to them on a podcast, it, it, it's like electrifying and it, it, it inspires mm. you and you realize like life is it's more to life than just money. Like I said, every, anyone mm. I interview on my podcast, money is not their driving force. Their driving force is getting up every day, knowing they're making a difference, knowing they're impacting people's lives and with what they're doing and they're serving. So that's just, it's priceless. So that's the type of mentorship I want to spread to as many people as possible. And you know, and I love that. And you're right. Mentors can be mentors, but quality mentors matter. 
And even you saying that, it's making me think about the amazing people I've had in my life that I feel so fortunate to have because I know people who haven't had amazing mentors. Right. Most of my mentors having been educators, and that definitely played a role in who I have become being an educator myself. And so you know, quality mentorship is also based on who you are as a person and knowing what you need and knowing the between letting somebody let you get away with murder and somebody who's going to convict right. you of murder, you know, as a mentor. Because my mentors, man, they don't play, huh? (laughs) Listen, you would have thought they was my life for real, (laughs) uncle or aunt or something. Like, when I say that, big brothers and even big sisters, because there are people like, nah, I ain't letting up. And you know, you know better. And we know I want you to to rise and to do well and to be well. So, as a first gen, I thank God for mentors. And, And again, loving the work that you do, even the poverty mindset, talking about mentorship, all things that resonate even with my own beliefs about life and and how we navigate and how we thrive. So I think that's really cool of you. Tell me, as an adult, what do you feel has been one of your biggest challenges, especially as somebody who's first generation? Because you, again, you've taken a non-traditional path through education, but also understanding what and who you are as a man, as a, as a newly minted father, as a husband, what have you discovered or found to be your kind of the pain in your side and how have you been able to navigate that? I would say the biggest thing, which is, ties into also my motivation for writing a book, is just as a, as a black man, just the negative stereotypes and just the low expectations is something that's yes, always mm-hmm. been a constant thorn in the side. And I remember growing up where I would hear from family, friends, teachers, just all the type of that negativity and just the, them saying, okay, black boys, your odds are you're going to end up in prison or in a cemetery. And those expectations set on us. It took a lot to break that that mindset, to break those limitations. And I see that today. I kind of get flashbacks by it when I'm looking at the media, when I'm seeing just like what the media portrays as black men are being like basically victimized and black men are an endangered species. Black men are being just slaughtered in the streets. And a lot of a lot of it is happening, but at the same time to just uh, accept that as okay or accept that, hey, that's life because I'm black. I'm, I'm destined for nothing. Then that's, I'm really aiming towards helping people break that mentality. And I wanted to, with my book and with my podcast, just highlight black men who are doing extraordinary things and who've come from similar backgrounds, but they don't have that, that victim mentality. They don't have that poor me mentality. They don't have that because I'm black, I can't be successful. No, they realize that because I'm black, I'm destined to be successful because I'm black, because I'm a black man. I'm built. Hmm. I'm built for this. I'm going to thrive. So it's just like I said, it comes back to shifting that mindset and not just accepting what we're being fed from, whether it's media or family, friends or whatever. If it's negative, you, you just don't have to accept that. Hmm. I'm, I'm all into that. I love the positivity. Definitely. Because you've brought up something. I'm like, man, like, I mean, I'm over here marinating in my brain. Like, you're right. (laughs) I said to somebody before that we're nothing more than the big versions of who we were as kids. So the things we have not addressed or faced, we're still dealing with and we're projecting in relationships and work environments and just as people, period. So we we have to deal with our mess. So even for you to go back and and say that and mention it, it's true that even as first generation college graduates, we come with some baggage, uh, some things from our past that we have to be willing to deal with and face before we can get to the goodness of what life has to offer. And what I mean by that is before we can, one, you know, be in 
healthy relationship to before we can say I'm good enough, I belong here, I'm not an imposter. Changing that self-talk is tremendous. And so the fact that you brought that up, I'm like, huh, you're right. And, you know, <laughs> I, I think about it, you know, I mentioned it, but like good point to make to the family to have something, you know, to, to think about as they're working through their own stuff. And I love that you mentioned the self-talk. That's certainly important to yeah, tackle those insecurities that we have. We all have insecurities. And as minorities, we probably have a lot more insecurities than other people just because how we've been conditioned growing up. But even all I've accomplished to today, I still have that imposter syndrome. I still sometimes find myself thinking like, okay, are they judging me because I'm black? Or are they, did I not get this opportunity because I'm black? But I quickly always catch myself and just erase that negative self-talk because a lot of times that's our biggest enemy. A lot of times our insecurities is really what's the culprit. It's not other people. It's just our own insecurities, that own negative, that inner talk is, is talking us out opportunities it's, and it's making us look at the world in a jaded way. So once we, we get that under control, handle the trauma that we've gone through, I'm big on therapy and just really mental wellness, then we, it just opens up so much more and we look at the world in a different different way. So, and it goes back to, yeah, what we focus on expands. So if you're looking at, mm-hmm. if you're looking at the world as everyone's race, as everyone's against me, then that's all you're going to see. But if you're looking at the world as, hey, it's people out there who want to help me, it's so many opportunities, then those are going to appear before you. And that's just why I try to help so many people get through that. It's so hard for them not to see the world as just this bad place where it's just people out to get them or people that's going to discriminate against them for whether it's their gender or color. But a lot of that, they just have to realize that's from conditioning them growing up and trauma they haven't dealt with yet. And just that inner talk that negativity that they just really need to address. And that's going to open up so much more. So what do you suggest for those who are trying to work through the negative self-talk, changing it to positive? What are some some advice you would give from your perspective, from things that even you've done to improve? Right. For me, like I said, I'm big on uh, mental wellness. If they have access to, whether it's a therapist, or psychiatrist, something like that, people, someone they can talk to, especially a professional that can help them kind of deal with some of that trauma. But if that's not a, an option, then also it kind of starts to w- what you're putting in your mind. And I was talking to someone yesterday, a lady where she talked, to, she made the comparison, like if someone's obese and they want to lose weight, we're first going to address, okay, what are you eating? Start counting calories, things like that. And I think it's the same way with if you have just so many insecurities and you just have that, that negative self-talk, then I want to know, okay, what, what are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you surrounding yourself mm. with? And oftentimes, there's going to be people who are dealing with the same issues, who have the same type of victim mentality. So that's, of course, that's all they're going to know. But once they start hanging around positive people, start reading positive things, listening to positive music, positive aspirations, seeing yourself a different light, then that goes a long way to help with their mental wellness and to really help them overcome and just resolve those insecurities. Hmm, I'm with that. I like to do affirmations. Oh, yeah. I like, like we talked about quotes. I love doing quotes. I love doing sticky notes, even just putting stuff somewhere where I can see it on my phone. Like if I can do it to stay in power, to stay encouraged, to stay uplifted, I'm definitely a fan of trying those different avenues for finding that space to change my mind about what I think about my life. Even listening to like YouTube videos, you know how they have like the abundance, yeah, abundance and attract abundance and wealth and stuff. Like I listen to those to keep me focused and especially in the morning and something that when I I notice I do and I can tell the difference in my day when I wake up and say, today is a great day. I am powerful. 
I am wealthy. I'm healthy. Like I speak those things over my life. I can tell mm-hmm. the difference in my day. It manifests. Absolutely. Every because it's all the energy. Yeah. You know, and what you put out, like I said, it comes back in. Definitely. So, well, oh my gosh, like we're talking, talking, talking. I love talking. I can talk all day. <laughs> but I know that we come to a point where we are going to have to wrap up. And I'm like, oh, well, I want to talk some more. <laughs> Having fun. Now, yeah. I mean, yeah. Because it's just, I mean, just like the first time we talked for real, like it's just a natural, we just hit it off. It's a natural conversation. And Definitely. I'm just so, you know, intrigued by even your path to where you are and what you've become and, and so proud, you know, though we are, are distant friends, I'll say we're, we're new, we're budding. Again, thanks L for the, for, for the connection. Appreciate it, Larry. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's just, again, to be the black man who came from nothing and now you have everything you could have ever imagined is really dope and it's inspiring and definitely something that, I, you know, on the show, and I'll say this right quick too, I never imagined that the the idea of race and gender would come up so much in this show not just yours but with the podcast in general and I honestly tried to avoid it in the very beginning right. because I didn't want it to be something that would have pigeonholed me or put me in a space where I only do black stuff or minority stuff right. but I realized that the people who I come they're coming with their stories and the stories are just the truth yeah you can't filter them and <laughs> no, no no you, now you can't and but then I noticed the more I talk to each guest and even like having you now, what I learned is how much we are different, but how much we are so alike. Right. Because all of us are dealing with um, who I am in this world, how I show up and what the world told me about who I would be. And so the power is that we've all become something in one way or another. We are all somebody. But then to even hear now your experience. And again, you can't deny you being a black man. You said it directly. And I'm like, huh, <laughs> he said it, you know, but not because I didn't want you to say it. But it's like, again, you ain't no substitute for the truth right All India right. okay uh, but but Derek you have been amazing to have on here and I'm you know thrilled to have you back one of these days you know to talk to us more about your journey and you know again navigating that poverty mindset and overcoming it that breakthrough but as we're wrapping up would you please tell the family the, the one thing you want us to remember to keep in our minds about you to keep with us for the rest of our life I see your life okay thanks uh, I'm, I'm on the no hey, pressure. no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. But yeah, something I was thinking about as you were talking is I think I want the listeners to always keep in mind everyone's struggling with something. So I don't I don't care what mm. your background is, your race is, your financial status. Everyone's struggling with something. So it's easy to lose sight of that because especially like with social media where you see people and they, they, they're living their best life, 365. <laughs> There's no mm-hmm. issue, no drama, but you got to realize that's the that's the version of their life they want you to see. But you don't know what's going on in the background. You don't know what they're struggling with. So don't focus so much on trying to emulate someone else's happiness and just model that. Really identify what's important to you, who you are, and just how you're going to always work towards improving yourself and being content and happy with where you are in life because like I said everyone's struggling with something so don't be so down on yourself or really just trying to compare yourself to other people because you you may wish for something that you you wasn't really ready for you're trying to say oh i wish i had what they had no, <laughs> you, you know when you do that you can't you can't just pick and choose what they got you gotta take the whole bag all of the baggage you, you don't want that be happy with what you have and just realize everyone's born with unique gifts 
And the way you discover those gifts is by looking outside yourself, seeing, okay, who can I use these gifts to serve? How can I help people? How can I make the biggest impact? That's what's going to give your life fulfillment, not money, mm. not material things. It's going to be just, hey, people helping people. That's that's what I've come to the conclusion. It's, that's what it's all about. And the money's going to come. The more people you serve, and money, fame, all that stuff comes with it. But that shouldn't be your driving force. Be value who you are. Mm. I can dig that. All right. So where can we find you on the internet? Internet. I'm everywhere. My website's up, DerichPhillips.com. My podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever platforms there are. Also have MentorSelect.com website and all of my handles, Derek Phillips. And you'll be easy to find me. I'm only one spell with the H. It's a Derek, not Derek. <laughs> not many of us. I actually found one more in like the whole world, another Derek. There's <laughs> not many of us. But certainly reach out to me. I'm always available. I love helping people out as much as I can. And if I can't help you, I'll certainly steer you in the right direction. But other than that, I'm just very excited and just thrilled and honored to be on this show, Dr. Eve. I appreciate it. You're oh, doing man. great things. Just, you have no idea who this podcast, this platform can reach and the impact it can make. So keep doing what you're doing. Mm. I'm happy to be a part of the First Gen family. Yeah, you sure is. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really appreciate your words. I really thank you for that. And I'm going to say this too. I mean, with the family here, thank you for correcting me on the name because everything is in the name. And, you know, my name is Evangeline. So I'm really sensitive about saying people's name right and it's like I was like I messed it up I messed it up because we I mean we were talking I think I may have said Derek and you probably didn't catch me say it because I was like smooth with it I may have just said D but um but I really appreciate you being here and and honoring all of your truth and being who you are and and giving us your best and I'm wishing you nothing but much success and all that you do ahead and you know if you you need us like I tell everybody else we got your back we got your back all right family now thank you yes in the fam all right now take it easy you too did you go mm, at any point during this session if so then go ahead and subscribe then uplift friends colleagues and students by sharing the show also don't miss out on exclusive insights that i only share via email by joining the first gen family at www.thepurposeprofessor.com forward slash family I know I said a whole lot, so I'm going to drop a link in the show notes. Now, until the next time, don't forget to be resilient, authentic, and intentional in all that you do. And no matter what, keep pressing forward.